Wildcard weekend is finally upon us. With an incredible slate set up and tons of bets already coming in, it would be pretty cool if we knew which teams the public's good at betting and which they're bad at. Unironically, we actually do. We also know the best and worst times to tail and fade the public's money and sharp, thanks to the incredible data tracking we do here at Sharp and the Public. Welcome again into Sharp and the Public's first playoff episode. In this episode, you will hear the quick rundown of how the public, money, and sharps fared in week 18 and throughout the whole year. The Happy Hour Sports Boys and I use that original data to discuss the wildcard matchups and try to break down the best way to bet it. Stay tuned for information you cannot find anywhere else, so grab your pen and paper because it's time to sharpen the public. Let's go! Welcome to Sharpen the Public, an NFL and sports gambling podcast made by bettors for bettors. The only place where you can learn to leverage public betting trends to win more bets. I'm your host, DJ Bianco. Years ago, I started tracking public betting trends for every single game in the NFL. I've been tracking how well the public performs when they are more or less confident, tracking how well the Sharps perform when they're more or less confident, tracking how well a team performs when the spread changes throughout a given week. Anything that's publicly available, I track it. I use this historic information to leverage bets that I, and now we, will make in the future. Seeking out trends to find winners is an incredibly exciting topic. And if you've made it this far, I know you're excited too. This is Sharpen the Public. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Sharpen the Public. As always, I am your host, Deej, back again with co-hosts Andy and Rick in the final, recapping the final week of the NFL and preparing ourselves for the wildcard round of the NFL playoffs. Super exciting to be back with you to start talking about the playoffs, boys. What are we thinking? How How are we feeling? How was your weekend? All that good stuff. Pumped, man. We got a good we we had a good slate here for the first round of the playoffs. A couple of big spreads, but uh, should be interesting. I feel like there's going to be one one big upset, so should be got a fun it. round. the uh, The last week was a little um, a little Jeb Bush, as we say around these parts, for low energy. Just a lot a lot of big spreads, and it just it didn't end up uh, being as entertaining as it could have been. Uh, the Seahawks let us let America down uh, by winning it late. There, we could have had a really really fun Sunday night football game, and we still did. Lions still did it, but uh, yeah, it was it was a good week all in all. Excited for the playoffs. Yeah, I uh, had a pretty Jeb Bush slate myself, only offering one bet, and it was on the podcast, but uh, Ployers Clop, because it was a two-unit win. Podcast teasers go to 3-0, and which is pretty hype. <laughs> Not seeing a lot of opportunities there on this slate, but uh, excited to break it down with you guys, because this is what we have worked all season towards, 18 weeks, and we are finally here. I can't believe it. I can't believe the time has come. Yeah, it's crazy to to finally be at the end here. We've got a lot of really interesting data that I'm super excited to talk about and bring to the listeners at home. Um, yeah, it was a it was a weird week because I tr- I mean it's really hard to find angles to bet in a week like this with I don't know with so many injuries and people not playing and you know week 18 is just tough. So I'll, I'll kind of break down happened in week 18 with all our trends and stuff and then we can kind of push into the playoffs really quickly because we do have a lot of data to to break down these games really in-depthly if that's even a word so it'll be a little sped through for the trends portion of the podcast yeah i don't know if that's a word we'll see it's not just just in-depth what's the other word (laughs) in-depth you just say in-depth yeah yeah just break them down in depth these games down yeah yeah all right, we're going to break them down in depth. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Learning quickly. We'll break down the games more in depth than we typically do. So we'll kind of speed through the trends faster than we normally do so we can talk about the games a lot because there's a lot of good stuff. So I'll quit rambling and just start talking about the public 
and how everything fared this week. So to end off the week 18, to end off the 2022 NFL season, the public went 11-5 and ATS. Wow. I mean, I guess there's a lot of predictable. I mean, they did that sort of last week with a lot of the games. Um, like a lot of games didn't matter for one team, it mattered for the other team. I'm sure that happened a lot this week, and for the public and seems to be catching in consistently on. Interesting to see how that broke down for you, though. Yeah, so they went 11-5. and five. They went 3-0 and oh when the public was on it, a team 70% or greater, so that's interesting. Yuck. That is uh, <laughs> Vegas buttering these guys up to get decimated this week. Yeah, that's exactly what I was gonna. the, the point I was going to make, is that we've seen throughout this year, when the public did well one week, they, didn't, they couldn't go positive like the next week or, then, or any following week until they had a really bad week. So I'd expect throughout the playoffs, the public's really not going to do well. So definitely keep that in mind as we head into the playoffs. Um, also, as a side note, if you've been listening, we've been preparing you this for this, but we don't have data for the play- playoffs. So we can take these in, we can take all this stuff into consideration for the playoffs, and it'll still be useful. But just keep in mind that playoffs might be slightly different. There's going to be more bets on in these games. So it's just going to be something that we have to really consider and you know, keep in the back of our minds. But moving on. The public went four and eight to finish the year when they bet the over, and one and three to finish the year when they bet the under. <laughs> another week, just another week for the public as far as betting totals goes. Uh, maybe not the spread, but they'll always suck at totals. Yeah, four and zero is hilarious. Or I'm sorry, four and eight is hilarious. They also went one and four in the range that we've been talking about all year, sixty five percent or greater, and they bet on the public or bet on the over. So it's good to see our trends still hitting strong throughout the end of the year. Moving on quickly, we'll talk about the money percentage. Went ten and six. That's been a killer all year, so no, no surprise there. Um, sharp different, um, yeah. Sharp differential went eight and eight. The golden rule went two and one. A little bit it went zero oh and two last week, so obviously positive. And if you're betting two and one every week, that's still winning. So that's winning at a pretty good rate. So I'll take that. Money percent when it was on the over went zero oh and four, and sharp differential on the over also went zero oh and two. So that's pretty terrible. Uh, and then money percentage on the under went five and seven. And sharp percentage on the under went seven and seven. Is the uh, money percentage and sharp percentage not doing well in those spots surprising based on them being uh, overall above average this season? No, because that's money percentage on the over and sharp differential on the over that went 0 and 4 and 0 and 2. Understand. Okay. Understand. Not understood. <laughs> Sorry. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> Another interesting note is an, it was in uh, the last three weeks, the average total, like Vegas given out total, has been 41.5 or lower. It was two weeks ago, it was 40.9. Last week, it was 40.3. And then this week, it was 41.5. That is ridiculous. Yeah, I feel like this is the first year in a while that we've seen like so many totals like in the 30s, too, like to yeah. balance that out. Like, like and typically, I'm seeing like mid 40s, but not this year. We knew that like earlier in the year that a lot of games were going under. And people were starting to take advantage of it, but I guess once they started taking advantage of it, Vegas was like, no, we're, we're dropping the totals. You guys got to make harder decisions here. Yeah, no kidding. But yeah, so that's this week. Again, the interesting thing there is just the 11-5 and from the public. I think that's going to lead to them doing pretty poorly in the playoffs, um, but we'll dive into all that here in a second. I do want to start, I want to finish the season off right by telling you guys all of the trends that we have to date regarding the public, Bunny Sharps, all that stuff. So we'll just get right into it. So the public this year, 
on a whopping 129 and 136 ATS, which is a 49% win percentage, which is wild. Bravo. That's way better than I, that, that's way better than I thought. I'm very impressed in that 11 and five week in week 18 really kicked them up a notch. So just crazy. That's the highest we've seen. At least my spreadsheet has seen in the past couple of years. And no one would expect that. Like if you fade the public, you are now officially not positive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, that's why you can't just fade the public. Like we've said, since episode one of this podcast, you'd be down on, you'd be down on juice. So you'd be right there with them losing some money. On the season. In fact, I think I don't know the exact calculation, but I believe the if you faded the public on every single bet, the public would have beat you. That's crazy. I mean, it's, it's just insane. We can yeah. say it's insane till we're blue in our faces, but just keep in mind that's why sharpen the public's important because you need to you really need to consider all the in depth analysis that we do here. If that's a better way to say it. I'm actually surprised they got to 49. I feel like they typically are a little bit lower. So uh, good on the public. That's a that's a decent year for them. Maybe next year we can hit 50%, but I don't want to be too greedy. So <laughs> I'd expect a bounce back, but you never know. I expect them to finish around 45% next year. Next year. Get back to normal. Yeah, but. I would I would agree. Moving on to the money percentage. The money percentage this year went 55%, which equates out to 146 and 119 ATS. Some crazy good stats here. I mean, every tr- every range outside of that, bad range we've talked about all year that 60 to 64 percent money percent range which is 16 and 31 ats everything else is significantly positive so like your 50 to 54 percent range is 25 and 18 ats 55 to 59 is 23 and 18 ats 65 to 69 which is their best one is 27 and 13 ats 70 to 74 is 22 and 19 ats and then 75 plus interestingly enough is 33 and 20 ats that's that's crazy to me and it also signifies that you don't need to be scared there's big money on a team you just simply do not don't see big numbers and get scared of it same thing with the public it's more so happened with the money at 33 and 20 yeah 33 and 20 i mean that, that's very good i mean typically I, I i like to shy away from when one side is that hard on it, like, unless the line is moving. That's why I tend to look at line movement to see if the line is adjusting accordingly. Because um, sometimes Vegas will uh, stick their feet, like dig their dig their heels, rather, is the saying, to say, yeah, no, we sort of like the line where it is. We're happy to take that money in. And sometimes they'll move it, saying, like, ah, we don't like having that much risk on the side, meaning that Vegas isn't confident in that spread. So interesting, nonetheless, that uh, that when the big money's on the side, it's cashing with, cashing with ease, pretty much. Yeah, it's awesome to see. And just from a like we've been talking about it all year, that 65 plus, just anything in that 65 plus money range, is 82 and 52 ATS on the year. That's another incredible trend that you will not find anywhere and something that we will absolutely be taking advantage of next year. And the playoffs too. Yeah, 82 and 52. I mean, you're 30 games, 30 games above 500 there. I mean, that's, that's quick, easy, consistent profit. And that's a huge sample size too, so... Yeah, I love that. And again, that that essentially means if you see a game with 65% or more of the money, don't be scared to, to bet with it. Don't be like, oh my God, I got to fade the public and I got to fade the money. It's obviously not the case. 82 and 52 ATS is incredible. Speaking of incredible trends, we can move on to the sharp differential. Sharp differential in the year is also 55% win percentage at 145 and 120 ATS. It's also pretty good if you guys didn't know. That's also just blindly betting with the sharp differential. If we talk about 
the Geico trend or the golden rule trend, the Geico trend in general, which is 15% sharp differential or greater, is 74 and 49 ATS on the year. And then the golden rule, which is 20 to 29% sharp differential on the year, is 39 and 21. All incredible trends that you can take advantage of in the playoffs and this year to significantly increase your 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 bankroll <laughs> and and profit profit like profit well. So really cool stuff from Sharp and the Public. You can't find this stuff anywhere else. I'll say it every every week. It's so fascinating. It's only gotten better throughout the year too. Like it's not like it's a one off thing. Like it, right. it's every week. It's just continued to to validate our thoughts. Like or like what what it's been doing the previous weeks. Just consistently every week seems to be getting better and better. So, yeah, I think my key takeaways here are with how well the public did this year. Like we didn't expect them to go forty nine percent when we set out on doing this podcast. Like our hypothesis was not they were going to do that that well. As well as like the money percentage and sharp percentage did very well. I mean it was profitable, like we said. My thing here though is like I don't trust any of those going into the playoffs because I'm, I'm going to lean heavily on the Geico trend and the golden rule trend as we begin betting on the playoffs. And we'll hopefully continue to lean that way because hopefully we'll see them continue to profit because I know that some of what we believe is going to happen in the playoffs is that the public is going to come back to reality because they did have a really good week last week. So that 49% is about to be given back to Vegas starting this weekend. In my opinion, that, that's my main takeaway out of all those. I, I agree. I, I think that's a good takeaway. Stick with what's worked for us, but don't go just if you're if you're not sure what to take, don't just look at the money in sharp and say, oh, well, the money in sharp's on one side. I'm just going to go ahead and take that because it hit at a 55 percent clip this year. I wouldn't totally trust that in the playoffs. But if it's got the Geico trend or, or even better, if it's got the golden rule. I think that there's more reason to uh, to feel a little bit more comfortable compared to just thinking, oh yeah, the money and the sharps hit at a 55% clip this year. I can feel a little bit better. I wouldn't feel as validated as I would just taking the stuff that's worked for us. Yeah, I don't. I, I agree there. I think it's definitely important to still consider your liens, as we've been saying all year, and to also all differentials are really accurate and they've been consistent throughout the year. Playoffs are a completely different animal, and I'd love to see similar stuff happen throughout the playoffs because that means that they're predictable and we can continue to use this stuff for a while. But it also is going to be – we're going to track it throughout the playoffs as well. So we'll, we'll keep that stuff in mind to try and see where things are changing. Um, if we Because if we are able to see that, oh, the public sucks in the playoffs, we can use that to our advantage. Like even though they were 50-50 in the regular season – seeing that they suck in the playoffs we're going to continue to bet with them sucking in the playoffs or say the money's good but we see the money's bad in the playoffs we don't know so we can we can be confident in the money percentage in the regular season but only to a point and that's where the playoffs get really interesting and why we have to take an extra step to break it down but we also have more time to break it down because there's so fewer games so it's a it's pros and cons that kind of weigh each other for sure quickly moving on we can talk about the public betting on the over which is 65 and 89. Not great. That's a 42% win percentage over the course of the year. We definitely saw a downtick in the amount of bets that the public put on the over as we saw that like as the year went on. A lot of a lot more bets tended to come on on the under, but weeks like this one where the public goes 4 and 8 betting the over really improve, improve this trend and it's fun to see. 
Um, and then consistency sake, the public when betting on the under is 60 and 52 this year. Yeah, that um, that public over number is about where I feel like we would have predicted it to be. However, uh, I think that the actual total of 65 and 89, expected maybe more bets to be on the over. But like you said, we saw a downtick as the season went along, which which is interesting. I think my main thing here is just keeping our uh, like keeping a finger on it and staying close with these all season long has been super helpful because that I mean we we saw that happening throughout the season. It wasn't a surprise to us um, now to be like, wow, that, that number looks low that people haven't been betting as many overs this year. We've been calling that out for weeks and weeks and weeks that people have been betting on unders more than uh, more than usual, which was also surprising with the average total being lower than uh, than expected. Yeah, it's interesting that it's, it's nice that it all plays out kind of to how we hypothesized, but who knows what's going to happen in the playoffs. Uh, I wonder what the average total, I, haven't, I don't know what the average total in the playoffs is right now, but it looks lower than you'd expect, right? 42, 47, 48, 40. It's not as low as it usually is this season, but probably low for, the, for a typical wildcard round. And we'll keep that in mind as we look to place our bets. Finishing off all the trends, we'll run through all the money percentage and sharp percentages on the total. So money percentage on the under went 95 and 77 this year, when the money percentage on the over went 40 and 57. Then sharp differential on the under went 107 and 77, whereas sharp differential on the over went 36 and 45. I know that was a lot of numbers. Yeah, the sharp numbers, all the numbers on the under has been interesting to me. And I know we've said it. I don't want to beat it, whatever the phrase is. Beat the beat dead, dead horse. horse. <laughs> yeah, beat a dead horse. But I mean, it's impressive to me that when they're betting the unders, it's, it's typically pretty damn good. And it's working out more often than not. Yeah, I, I agree. One of the interesting things that we haven't really touched on all season is one of the lowest amount of data sections that we have across all of our trends is when the sharp differential is on the under at a low number between zero and four percent 11 and three to the under which is a pretty good i mean obviously it's only 14 out of the 270 some games that we have all year that indicates to me like slight edge like the natural slight edge that sharp betters have over the public and it, it obviously is only going to show maybe it shows in the over but mainly it shows in the under because clearly we've seen throughout the year public is not nearly as good as the under at the under as the sharp betters are or just totals in general, I should say, not just the under. Yeah, I, I, mean, I see what you're saying, and I mean, that that's the benefit of being a sharp is like even when like the public struggles, like you might struggle too as a sharp, but you're gonna struggle less. Right. And so those those bad times aren't as bad, and those good times are even better. Um, mm-hmm. And if you can just have that little bit of an edge consistently, then it's it's gonna profit in the long term. Um, and and sports gambling is not a it's not a short term gain. Like while you might have like a big win here that might suffice, and it, if you're that type of better, then sure, but for the people that play for the long game, you're looking for, for small margins and uh, stuff that can happen in cash with consistency. Mm-hmm. And and that's what the sharps are able to do. And that's why they're, why they're so important. That's a really good point. You're never going to find that like at 15 unit play that is absolutely a lock because you have this much efficiency on, you know, the, or this much of a positive EV on the play. That's just not a thing. You're looking for these consistent slight edges that will in the long term profit. Because that's the way to, to 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 beat Vegas. It's not to try and risk fifteen units on a think on a play that you have no idea is going to hit. You know. Yeah, I, I can't tell you the amount of times I have a friend to be like, all right, well, what's your lock of the day? And it's like, I, I don't know. I mean, I've got fifteen plays here. You 
I, I'd suggest tailing them all rather than picking one. Right. There's not one that I'm incredibly like, oh my god, I can give you one, but more often than not, I'm, I'm more of a volume player in that sense. So, I think the best way to bet is to volume bet because you're really you're limiting your chances. Most of the time, people go fifty fifty, and as long as you're above that line slightly and you're making the right plays at the right positive EVs, like with a system. You don't have to be a system like a you know a system better like betting only in certain ways. Learning those the those trends and finding out the best way to to take advantage of them is definitely the best way to bet in my opinion, and it sounds like in your opinion as well. Yeah, definitely. Totally agree there. Going with the volume strategy is is the way to go for the reasons you all said. And the only thing I have to add to that is if if you're struggling to find the bankroll or find the personal funds to bet with volume, then sports gambling not, might not be <laughs> yeah. for you there's definitely ways to build your bankroll and we've got some things in the work to <laughs> to to kind of explain how that's going to happen so look out for that yeah nice hint there look out nice hint there yeah look stay out for tuned happy hour sports we got some really exciting stuff cooking for the off season of the nfl as well as a lot of other stuff we're not going away we've got a ton of content planned so keep us in your thoughts but that's just a little sneak peek there I think we've covered all the stuff that there is to cover. If you, unless you guys have anything else that you want to ask me before we start talking about the games, because I'm really, really excited to get to the games. Now, I, I mean, you know me. Nobody can see this on camera, um, but next year we're hoping to maybe do a video pod. So stay tuned for that. I think that uh, it's pretty clear every week. I write all these trends down in my notepad. Stay fairly quiet, and then once the week ahead slate comes up i start talking a lot more so i am uh i'm pretty excited yeah pat yeah no, no nothing on these i mean i've got some different notes for the game so i'm excited to get into those and start talking playoffs man let's do it so first and foremost i'd like to thank all of the urban the public hosts because i am the only team with a uh, only fan with the team in the in the playoffs so how do you guys feel about that <laughs> well Pumped because the Colts have number four overall. The plan has worked where the Texans fell out. Rick won his play that he gave out of Texans plus 135 on yep. the money line. Uh, we all were winners. We all walked away winners. And Chris Ballard did not rule out trading up either in an interview today or yesterday. I don't know when it was. But he said that Jim Ursa gets the ultimate call on head coach. So we'll, we'll be fucked either way. But uh, at least I'm going to have a fun quarterback next year. <laughs> That's my final State of the Union. Quick, easy, short. We'll talk about draft during the summer. Yeah, we, I mean, we had a chance to if we didn't lose to the Browns, but here we are. We decided to screw the pooch there. And um, What a terrible phrase, by the way. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we really... You've had some interesting phrases today. Yeah, You've had like four. Screw, screw the pooch. Right. I, I don't know how that one came about, but somebody must have, somebody must have fucked their dog or something. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, but somehow we let Deshaun Watson be this, which is something that hasn't been happening too often. Um, but hey, man, I'm excited for the playoffs. I'm used to the to the to the football team, to the Commanders, to the Redskins not being in the playoffs. So I'm excited for the Jaguars. They're sort of my team this year in a weird way. So yeah, Dougie P at home. I'm excited for that game because uh, we'll get to it in a second. Place was bumping, but yeah, we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll address it more in a second. Yeah, so that's the second game uh, of the Saturday slate. So. If you do not know much about the slate, it is six games. Obviously, the one seeds in each division, in each conference, have a bye. That is the Eagles in the NFC and the Chiefs in the AFC. So we've got the two. We've got two Saturday games, three Sunday games, and one Monday game. I think this all like the one Monday game started last year. 
So we don't have much like data to back off or like to, to find some trends like for certain days and times that teams are playing. But obviously Saturday and Sundays are more typical in the wild card round. But we will start at the four thirty game. In San Francisco, we have the Seahawks plus nine and a half traveling to their division rival, the, C- the San Francisco 49ers. And the total in this game it sits at 42 and a half. Um, so before I open the floor up to the boys real quick, I do want to talk about Sharp and the Public only trends that you can't find anywhere else for each team. Then we'll kind of talk about the game and stuff. So the Seahawks are plus nine and a half. Again, like I said, they are 0-2 versus the Niners ATS this year. Uh, the original spreads were plus three and a half and plus eight and a half. Like the the first game was away, so they were plus three and a half when they traveled to San Francisco. That was obviously when the Seahawks were playing really well, and the, the Niners had Jimmy. And then later in the season, week fifteen, as a home team, the Seahawks had plus eight and a half, and they again are zero and two against the Niners. Public bets on the on the Seahawks, they are four and five ATS. The money bets on the Seahawks, they are four and three ATS. Uh, and then when the Sharps are on them, they are five and two ATS. We'll also move to the Niners real quickly, and then we can break it down. Niners, when the public is on them, are four and three ATS. The money is on the Niners, they are six and two ATS. And then when the sharp differential is on them, they are four and three ATS. Yes, yeah, so both I mean both teams really perform well when the money's backing them. Uh, it's gonna be interesting to see where the where the sport where the money lies there. But it should be an interesting matchup. I know the Seahawks are, I mean, nine and a half is a huge spread for a team that's been really good this year. Uh, but the Seahawks have really petered out as of late. Yeah, the Seahawks started off really strong, um, but I mean, they've lost five of their last eight games. Uh, so even though they've lo- they've won their last two, it was against the Jets and against the Rams. Uh, which, while the Jets had that aura around them early in the season, uh, that that quickly that quickly fell off. But what I think is really notable about this game is that uh, according to PFF's like grading system um, and their overall like, performance grades, they had their two worst performances of their season against the 49ers. And obviously the 49ers are very good, but to, to grade out that poorly uh, against the same team just tells me there's some matchup issues there. Um, and in both games, they, they scored a combined 20 points. So for an offense that has a lot of different weapons and Geno Smith for how good he's been, uh, they really haven't been able to get anything together there. So... Now that the 49ers, the 49ers didn't have Christian McCaffrey in their first matchup. So it'll be interesting to see just what happens, but I sort of lean 49ers here, oddly enough. Yeah, I don't know which way I go on this one yet. This spread has continued to creep up, um, and I really liked the Niners in an at-home teaser spot, potentially with how low the total was. But now that it's all the way up to minus 10 in some spots, minus 9.5 in a lot of them, be interested to see what it's at when the podcast releases on Friday. I don't think it's going to go any higher than that. I'd be shocked if it did. But that takes any teaser opportunity out of there. When it's such a big spread like this and the total is not low by this season standards, but uh, lower by NFL standards, I'm not, I'm not always the biggest fan. I'd be looking at, at the prop market for sure, though, especially if the Seahawks have not done perform well against the Niners and the spread is too big for some of you to stomach. There could be some potential for matchups, whether it's different receivers or uh, McCaffrey, if the number's not too high. Even Brock Purdy, too, because he's been fucking awesome the last six games. Speaking of Brock Purdy, there's a lot of interesting... There's a lot of rookie quarterbacks and also first-time quarterbacks in the playoffs this year. So it's going to be really interesting to see how all that plays out because typically they're not great. Like, rookie quarterbacks aren't... Uh, rookie quarterbacks are actually 4-7-1 and one ATS on wildcard weekend. That's rookies, not... Geno's obviously a... F- 
first time playing for the Seahawks. It might be his first time in the playoffs ever, but he's not a rookie, so that wouldn't account for him. But just really something to keep note of. Like experience always means a lot in the playoffs. So even though no one's gonna want to bet on the Bucks because the Bucks look terrible this year, still Tom Brady. So just keep that in mind. Um, but back to the Niners and the Seahawks. Uh, I have a trend for you boys. It's teams entering a 10-game-plus win streak to wildcard weekend. There's 15 of them over the last 20 years. Take a guess as to what you think they are, ATS. 4-11. How did you follow that so <laughs> quick? No. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say low as well, I'm gonna, but I'm going to say 6-9. and 2-13, ATS. Uh. <laughs> oh! Oh, uh, so Andy, uh, because of that, I would lock the Seahawks into your teaser right now. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's just wild. That's first of all, that's just wild. And then in addition, um, the average spread in a Seahawks game is two points, and it's nine and a half in this game, which is crazy. And also, the the average spread in a Niners game is only minus five throughout the year, and it's again at nine and a half. So massive difference from the mean. Like the and the two games that they played. Yes, the Niners did cover the the eight and a half spread earlier in the year against the Seahawks at home, but this is a different situation. This is this is a Pete Carroll versus Kyle Shanahan game, not a Brock Purdy versus Geno Smith game, because it, it's going to be a chess match. the The other interesting thing is the total sitting at forty two and a half, because the average Vegas total, like given out for a Seahawks game, has been forty five point six this year, whereas the average game total for a Seahawks game is forty eight point three. That's just the, that's just the Seahawks. Keep that in mind. And the this total sitting at forty two and a half. Um, on the other hand, the Niners have a Vegas total sitting at forty two point three and a game total sitting at forty two point three, which is really interesting in itself. The average game finished for the Niners at the exact total that the average Vegas averaged them at. So that's pretty crazy in itself. So this total is sitting around that that Niners game like total. However, most Seahawks games are close end at forty eight and a half. Yeah, a lot of that came in the past few weeks for the 49ers, too. I mean, that offense has been humming under Brock Purdy. Um, I think over the last seven weeks, it's improved every single week, um, or his passer rating has. And so it'll be interesting to see how that goes. I mean, the Seattle over the past four weeks is only averaging 16 points per game, so nothing good. And then the 49ers, on the other hand, have gotten 33 or more in five of their last six games. So the, the trends are saying one thing, but trends are meant to be broken, um, and there's – and it's the playoffs. Things are going to get a lot tighter. Uh, you're going to be able to prepare, and everything's on the line. So it should be a tighter game. But, yeah, I mean, the the 49ers have been on an absolute tear on both sides of the ball, just demolishing opponents. And it needs to be said, the 49ers have played the easiest schedule, according to PFF, this season. Obviously, their division was incredibly down uh, due to the Rams and the Cardinals both being uh, horrible. Out of division, they had to play the Bears. They had to play the Panthers, the, the Falcons, <laughs> the Saints. The, the Bucks they played that entire division. And then also the Commanders, the Raiders. So and they really did have a fairly easy schedule, uh, which lended them to be able to, to blend in new pieces like Christian McCaffrey and Brock Purdy. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see how they fare against, against the 49ers, who, while offensively they've been struggling a bit, that defense still is okay. It's not amazing, but it's okay. Hmm. I agree trends are meant to be broken, but also they happen for a reason. And when you have enough data to back it up, they're obviously... We talk about it on Sharp in the Public. That's why stuff's important. I love looking at trends. I think it's really important to consider history in situations when it comes to betting, especially in the NFL. So 
I love this stuff. I find it really fascinating. Another really important trend for this game is, and there's one other one this season or this year, but double-digit underdogs in the wild card round are one in seven ATS. In the playoffs in general, they're three and eleven ATS since 2011. It's just really interesting. Double-digit underdogs are three and eleven ATS, whereas in the playoffs since 2011, but in the wild card round, they're one and seven ATS. That's not good. <laughs> that 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 makes me fear taking the Seahawks. I would not suggest teasing this game when the number is sitting at nine and a half or ten. Like you can't. It's not a favorable spot to be teasing, even with a lower total like this. One question I have, and like that I've that I've had thoughts on since he read it off is with the teams with uh 10 plus win streak being at two and 13 ATS in the round in round one of the playoffs. Is that just in like the first round or is that like the first game that those teams have played? Because I would expect teams with a 10 plus win streak entering the playoffs. Uh, I would expect a lot of those guys to potentially have a buy, especially since last year was the first year that uh, there's only been one bye week since, uh, for a long time now, because normally two teams would get, get a bye. Oh, it is all wildcard games, and that's why it's only happened 15 times in the last 20 years. Gotcha. Okay. Appreciate the clarification there. Yeah, that, that still makes it wild. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, this back and forth on the spread just still makes me not really want to make a play on it. Yeah, I agree. It, it's a tough game, and it'll be really interesting to see where the public lies come the game, and if we can take any, like, numbers from it. Any Geico trend or above, I'd be really interested in following, honestly, in a game like this. So stay tuned for my article. I'll probably, I'm definitely going to have an early article just detailing all the extra trends that we don't get to talk about here on Sharp in the Public. So look out for that probably tomorrow, well, the day before you hear this on Friday. And then we'll see kind of how my article, I'll probably have an article out Saturday um, describing all the games and prelim picks, but just say keep updated with me on twitter see if anything changes like come a saturday or sunday just with the with the weirdness of playoff schedule because everything won't obviously be on sunday so just keep in mind just like keep on checking twitter for all that those updates because i don't exactly know how it's going to happen yeah i think one play i'm going to make official here before we before we hop on to the next game um is the seahawks team total over set at 15 and a half um and glad they haven't hit that in either in either game against uh, the 49ers this year, but that's an incredibly low total. Um, I just, I mean, you get a touchdown or a touchdown or two, really, and you're you're looking at catching that no matter what. Uh, it should be a pretty gritty game, and I, I just expect them to be able to get a little bit going, especially with how how many pieces they have on that offense. I love that play, especially judging by the fact that their average game total is 48.3, like, and and the total sitting at 42 and a half. So, I, yeah. I love that play. Um, I wonder what their average team total is. Date. I don't know if you can pull that up quickly. Um, I don't believe I can pull that up quickly, um, but I can look into that while we're going over the next one. But I'll introduce the next game because it is my favorite team on the slate, uh, the <laughs> Jacksonville Jaguars. They'll be hosting the Los Angeles Chargers, excuse me, and that total is set to 47.5. The Chargers are small favorites on the road at two. Um, and the Chargers this year, when the public bets on them, are 2-1 and one against the spread. Uh, but when money's on the Chargers, they're 5-1 and one against the spread, and Sharps are 3-1 and one, um, against the spread as well. Uh, going over to the Jaguars, a little bit less. They get bet on uh, quite a bit compared to the Chargers. So they're 4-5 and five against the spread when the public bets on them, and 5-6 and six when the money bets on them. And then when Sharps are on their side too, they're only 4-6. and six. So below 500 across the board uh, when people back the Jaguars. 
Um, and the Chargers are the opposite. Not as many, not as many occurrences, uh, with only three times that the public has backed them all year. Uh, but they're two and one there, and the money they're five and one. So it'll be interesting to see which trend uh, ends up taking taking precedence here. But I'll let you guys kick it off, and I'll try to find that uh, that stat on the 49ers. Keep in mind those numbers are all against the spread that he yeah, was. Yeah, it's all ATS, off. not straight up. And then uh, we should also mention that uh, as we always record on Wednesday, this the there's a lot more bets than there typically is on Wednesday than before the regular in the regular season. So. We do have a lot more data now like to talk about these bets and money percentages as of right now, even though we're still going to get a lot more bets come Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. But to kind of roll right off of what Pat said, super interesting thing for me starting off the bat is the Chargers minus two because both the public and the money are on the Chargers, which doesn't happen often. But when it does happen throughout the regular season, cash. So the uh, public is currently on the Chargers at 60% whereas the money percentage is sitting at 56 in favor of the Chargers. The Chargers' average spread this year was 1.3, so like minus one, basically minus 1.5, and they're sitting at minus 2, so that's not too terrible. I like that as a spot in the mean. I know a lot of people are going to like to, I don't know, side with the Jags here as a home dog in the playoffs and whatnot, but... Uh, Justin Herbert, I think, is 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 at a different stage in his career than Trevor Lawrence. Is it, this is Trevor Lawrence's first playoff game, right? So yeah, I, I don't mind uh, I don't mind your points there at all uh, that are favoring the Chargers here because I agree. There's been a lot of been a lot of Justin Herbert hate on the timeline. There's been a lot of Chargers hate on the timeline after that Week 18 result. So this could be a nice little bounce back spot for them, especially after people could be knee-jerk reaction uh have, having a knee-jerk reaction i also need to sorry andy one quick one quick point i need to say uh i said it was trevor lawrence's first playoff start it's also justin herbert's so i for, i didn't realize yeah because of the debacle last year with the chargers and raiders at the end of the season i still will take herbert's experience over this i know it's not playoff experience since as we said neither one of them have it but um i i don't mind that at all there i i don't I, I lean Chargers. I, I don't. I don't have a play on them. Uh, I tweeted out my play of under forty-seven as soon as the lines came out on Sunday night. That line has since moved to under forty-seven and a half. But the good news is that with uh, twenty-six thousand five hundred bets as it sits here Wednesday night, and that's just on the game as a whole. That's not all on the total, not all on the spread, etc. Um, but we're looking at a plus 26% sharp differential here on the under. So hoping that that trend continues over the next three days now. And that, um, like, like I said in the beginning, when we were reviewing the trends that we're looking at here. I do favor the golden rule and, and Geico trend much more over just blindly tailing money and, and sharps, as we always say. So just something to monitor as the week goes along. And to fill in on the total, the average Vegas total for the Chargers has been 48.2 this year, and obviously we're sitting at 47.5, but their average game total is 44.8, so significantly lower than that average total, Vegas total, and that would scream under to me as well. And we're also sitting at 77% of the public bets on the over, which we know is horrible throughout the year. So a lot of signs screaming the under here for the for the Chargers-Jags game. And, I mean, Doug Peterson home-unders are a lock. 6-2, <laughs> and two, I think, this year. Yeah, it'd be interesting. We got, we got a really high total for this game. Um, and I think that's attributed to, obviously, both offenses have been uh, fantastic lately. 
Um, but also, I mean, the, the Chargers' defense has been horrible this year. Um, I don't know if PFF just straight up hates them, but <laughs> I mean, they grade out as the twenty sixth, twenty sixth best team just overall, just straight up overall, sandwiched between the Indianapolis Colts and the Denver Broncos. So, not wow. two teams you want to be associated with this year. Uh, that defense is the fifth worst, um, and particularly the rush defense. So, um, if if the Colts can get Jamichael Hasty and, Tra- and Travis Etienne. Uh, going early, um, that could help Trevor Lawrence get in rhythm. But at home too, I think there's a reason that it's a close spread. Uh, both these teams haven't really faced a tough, tough competition either. I mentioned that the 49ers have the easiest schedule. The Jacksonville Jaguars have the second easiest, uh, given how bad that division was. Um, <laughs> the Chargers have the seventh, <laughs> despite having the Chiefs in their division, not everybody else. But I don't know. I don't really know where I lie this game because obviously my heart's on the Jaguars, sort of having a lot of them on my fantasy team this year and it's sort of liking the development I'm seeing from Trevor Lawrence and a lot of those, those role-playing cat uh, pass catchers like James or like Agnew, like Zay Jones, like Christian Kirk. Uh, they, they've got a lot of guys who are proving themselves um, and don't, don't really have any big names. So they don't have a lot of big personalities in that roster and they're just sort of grinding out wins. Uh, they won the last five games and looked better with each game. So I'm excited to see them in the playoffs. Jacksonville was rocking uh, for that game against Tennessee, and I think it'll be rocking here as well uh, with their first chance. And it looks like they're building something for the long term. So whether they get it done or not, um, I'm here for them in the future. Yeah, uh, I, I don't disagree. I like the Jags' development. I, I don't know. Like, I loved the Chargers at the beginning of the year. I didn't. I, I, I definitely thought that I think I had the Jags hitting their over on wins throughout the uh, year. Um, so I did like them, but I didn't love them coming into the year. The interesting, another interesting thing for this game is the playoff history of the coaches. Because my final thing here is, I do want to give uh, a salute to my rival Jacksonville Jaguars because that stadium on Saturday night was the most packed and most electric atmosphere I've ever seen out of a Jacksonville Ball, baby. game uh, in my Ball. entire life. So. Way, way to go, guys! That that did that did look pretty hype. So my my hat goes off to you. And there's no indication that I won't be rocking on Saturday again. So very very exciting. Moving on, we can start heading on to the Dolphins and Bills game. If you want to read off that one for us, Andy. Yeah. So we're looking at the Dolphins as plus thirteen and a half dogs. Total sitting at forty three and a half right now. But my big takeaways here are that. Uh, these ATS numbers for the Dolphins are pretty damning. So when the money is on them, they're one and four ATS, and when the public is on them, they're two and five ATS. However, the Sharps ATS are three and two on the Dolphins. So those are quite interesting metrics, especially when you stack them up against the Bills, who are a team that had the public on them nine times, going five and four ATS. The money on them six times, going three and three ATS. And then two and two ATS when the Sharps are on them. So the Bills a bit better there, but still pretty average. Uh, the only standout here is just that Sharps are three and two ATS on on the Dolphins because those public and money numbers are are pretty ugly. Yeah, I think the the main takeaway there is if and only if if the public was on the Dolphins in this game, which they're not currently and they will not be. Um, that's when it would matter. Like that's when I would just straight up fade public when they're on the Dolphins because they are 2-5 and five ATS and the money is set as well but as of right now with 30,000 bets in 72% of the bets are on the Bills and 87% of the money is on the Bills so 
nothing really to, to go off of there. Uh, the interesting thing here, similar to the other games that we didn't really touch on, well, I guess we did on the Seahawks Niners, but not in the Chargers Jags, is this is a division game. Whereas they played twice this year, the Bills are 0 2 ATS versus the Dolphins. The Dolphins have covered both times they played. Um, they covered when they were four and a half home dogs, and then they also covered when they were seven point away dogs. Uh, I'm not sure if they had Tua in week 15, if anyone can confirm with me. I don't think Tua is worth seven points. I've seen games where. I've seen games where Aaron Rodgers out and they'll move the spread about four or five points. Uh, there's no way that this man to a tug of Viola is worth seven <laughs> points. Uh, sorry. I, I, I agree. Good, but... I agree. I agree. Uh, that's a lot. And that makes me favor the Dolphins here as a large dog again. Yeah. So the Dolphins, again, being a large underdog, similar to what we talked about earlier. I don't know. It's just seven points because of Tua is, is, is a lot. And that makes me favor the the Dolphins, but the Pills are also coming off of the all the Demar Hamlin stuff. Like first playoff game, obviously they're the Bills. This is a home game. They're this is a division rival, which they haven't covered against all year. Not statistically, I would I would put all my money on the Bills, but <laughs> I don't know if I can just take the statistics out of it. But I mean, positively, sharp differential is on the Bills, which is a good sign, and high money percent, as we talked about, is also a good sign. So. Maybe it is statistically backed. Yeah, I mean, keep in mind, though, too, like with last week's result against the Patriots, uh, the Bills did have two touchdowns returned. Or, excuse me, two kickoff returns for touchdown. So, like, yes, they should have uh, beaten the Patriots for sure. But, like, if they didn't have those two, it would have been way closer of a game. And you could say that about lots of different circumstances, but, like, that's not gonna. Ha- that's most likely not gonna happen against the Dolphins, where they where they have that boost. So, I even though it is in Buffalo, um, I don't always buy the whole emotional story boost. Um, I think if we if there, if there was an emotional story boost, then the Patriots wouldn't have scored as many points because that offense is fucking ass. It is so bad, but they still put up twenty three on Buffalo, and Buffalo's defense is a little banged up. To be fair, um, a play that I love is. As much as I hate betting on the under in Bills games, I love the under, man. The The total is sitting at 43.5. The average Vegas total for Dolphins game is 47.4. The average Vegas total for a Bills game is 48. This is a massive difference from the mean because Vegas knows it. There is going to be so much public and so much money on the over. The Bills might win 30-7. to 7. This, is, this, is, this is an under. Uh, I mean... As much as I want to say it, the public is on the over at 73%. There's a small, sharp differential towards the under, which we like. I don't see the Dolphins' offense being able to keep up with the Bills' offense, especially against the Bills' defense on road. We'll see where the numbers lie come, come, come Sunday, but that's where my instincts are telling me. I'll lock in the under. Official. One unit. <laughs> that was easy. Yeah, I yeah love this game is weird to me. Miami has only, granted, because two is out and because of all the quarterback issues they've had, Miami has only scored more than 21 points once in their past six games. <laughs> That's what um, I'm saying. Team total under. In that, yeah, the, their team total is sitting at uh, 15 and a half, much like the Seahawks are, but obviously they're in a very, very different position than the Seahawks. The Bills, on the other hand, have scored at least 23 points in 14 of their 17 games this year. 
And if you go through their last eight games, they've scored at least 28 points in in six of those. So they've been on fire offensively, and they've been allowing points in that span too, 23, 25, 33, 29, 23. I don't think the, I don't think the Miami scores much, but I think the Bills will get theirs. Rather than hitting the Bills spread, I think I'm going to go with their team total over 27.5. Miami's been allowing points to pretty much uh, everybody if your name is not the New York Jets because you're, you're the fucking New York Jets and you just suck. You can't score. Because before that game, it was 20. They allowed 23, 26, 32, 23, 33. Um, all to good teams. And 32 was one of the Bills. So I don't want to pick a side again here, but I will officially give out Bills over 27.5 points. That's what I'm saying, Pat. 30 to 7. Yeah, thirty-seven. We both hit, and I think we're going to go there. Um, <laughs> I just, I worry that I worry that the Bills could almost get it themselves. I don't. I, I wouldn't be scared. I, I agree with you there. I, I totally do. This game comes down to the Dolphins' defense because we know that the Bills' defense is going to be able to take care of uh, the the Dolphins' offense to an extent. To an extent to that the the Bills' offense can take care of like that. But the Dolphins' defense needs to keep Josh Allen in check. Needs to keep Stephon Diggs. All these guys below 100 yard games you know they need to they need to consistently hold them stop them on fourth on, on third and fourth down not allow josh allen to run because they have been saving josh allen's you know legs for the playoffs if you want to prop probably take josh allen's over rushing yards but there's a there's a method for the dolphins to cover i just i don't know if they can they can get there josh allen rushing yards prop is always a uh, always a classic um one thing to note here too it's going to be sunny and 34 in Buffalo for the game. So uh, there is snow coming in on Friday, but no snow for Sunday, baby. Should be good for... Uh... I also should say before we move to the next game, I do lo- even though I do love the under, the last game that the Dolphins and Bills played, the Bills won 32-29, to and the total was 44.5. So maybe I'm just completely wrong, but that's, that's, how I, that's what I'm reading. <laughs> You'll. I have comments about this and another divisional playoff game that's coming up here that we'll talk about, but I don't always um, believe that these games are going to go the exact same way they did the game before, especially with uh, division games like this. Division games, anything can happen, and, and with that being said, uh, there were completely different circumstances in that game too where people thought it was going to snow. Everyone was slamming the under in that game because of that, and I think the total didn't rise back up quick enough to match that it didn't, I don't, it, it may have snowed, but like, I think it st- snowed towards the end of the game where it wasn't like really a factor. I just remember looking at the TV and it was about to kick and I was at a Christmas party. I look at my friend and I was like, dude, there's no <laughs> snow on the field. We're taking the over. I get that. <laughs> yeah. It, it's important. To, that's why one of the reasons it's important to take things as close to kickoff as you can. Cause you'll have the most information by then. But anyway, moving on. We've got the Giants playing the Vikings, another game that has been played already this year. Giants are plus three in Minnesota, which is exactly where the game f- finished at last time. The The Vikings won 27-24. The total sitting at 48.5. Some interesting tidbits about the teams is when the public's on the Giants, they are 7-3 and three ATS. When the money's on the Giants, they are also 7-3 and three ATS. And when the sharp differential's on them, they are only 3-2 and two ATS. Moving to the Vikings, when the public's on the Vikings, they are five and three ATS. When the money's on them, they're three and three ATS. And then when the sharps are on them, they are two and two ATS. So obviously, Giants are the are the front runner there if the public and the money are on them. Which at this moment in time, the public is sitting on the Giants as well with a massive sharp differential also on the Giants. 
So public and money are on the Giants at plus three. Probably because they got to rest some players last week, I would I would assume, even though they're heading into Minnesota. And also because the Vikings are one of the weirdest teams to bet this year, and it's incredible that they are as good as they are. It, it's almost like you have to take the points whenever you're whenever you're face, facing a, a Vikings game with how close every game is. Like, I'm so tempted to take the Giants plus three, even though they like for as good as they've been. Like, there's like a, almost a luck factor with with their performances. But same with the Vikings. It's just a weird game where I don't think any, either team really has a chance to go and like win the NFC. But both have been good teams, and you just sort of expect them to peter out. I don't know if I could be the only one to think that, but. Uh, that, that's how I feel about this game. But I feel like my, my natural spot would be to take Giants plus three. Give me a field goal. It should be a close game. Yeah, I agree with you there, Rick. I don't want to make anything official with this game. I have a lot of stuff to read up on and, and look into for this one because I don't really want to take a side here. But truly, if you're going to go one way or the other, this feels like one where you just got to plug your nose and you put a unit on the Giants. <laughs> yeah, I like plus three. Basically because the Vikings have just not really shown anyone anything when it comes to differentials over the course of the year, right? Like I know that I don't know their exact like point total versus I think it was within five points, you know, their their win differential or whatever, uh point differential throughout the year, but I do have their average game margin. So their average spread this year was minus one point seven. So basically minus two. And their average game margin margin was minus one point one, meaning on average they lost the game by one point. They are the three seed, so it's just like how can you take the Vikings, even though they're at home, even though they have Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson, who are the like front runners for well, not Kirk Cousins, but Justin Jefferson's the front runner for offensive player of the year, right? Like I just don't know. The Giants are good, and they and they were able to rest. They got a week of another, an extra week of preparation. The public's on them. The money's on them. That's good. They might not win this game, but this is going to be close. Yeah, it should absolutely be close. And like, it's interesting this year for like as weird as the Giants, not the Giants, the Vikings have been. Minnesota um, has actually graded as one of the best teams in the NFL this year, which is surprising because everyone's like, oh, okay, well they keep winning by close. Like they're probably not that good. Well. Like the unbiased, like deep, deep analytics say that they're actually one of the best teams in the NFL. So uh, there's something to be said about that. And the Giants on the other end are a little bit above middle of the pack. Uh, but every every game, they've been consistent. Uh, they don't really have like up and down games. They're just pretty, pretty dang consistent across the board, which could probably speak as to why they're covering the spread. It's because they don't really have that many down games. Hmm. But just two very interesting teams because I think the overwhelming consensus about both these teams is that they're not as good as they think they are. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if one of these can make a run. Yeah, I really had no hopes for the Giants coming into the year. I, I like I, in my futures article, I said I think like take their under four and a half wins for like a small unit play. But it's, it's interesting to see them this far. And they they obviously do have a good team. I'm I'm happy for Saquon finally getting like a bounce back year. He, he's going to have to take a, a massive role in this game. Another interesting part is the total sitting at forty eight and a half because. Giants' average game total is 43.6, and their average Vegas total throughout the year is 42.9, yet the total sitting at 48.5. The average Vegas total for the for the Vikings is 46.5. So Vegas sees something they haven't seen all year in a game, and that gives me reason to, say, to, to lean the over. 
Um, I'm not sure where the public is on it right now, but I can check. The public is iffy on the total. They are 48% on the over right now, and then the sharps are on the over. So at 58%, like the, the money is. So I like that. I think that indicates that you saw 27 to 24 last time. People are going with that. It was only in week 16, so it's pretty similar. This is just going to be one of those games where it probably will end up similarly to, to how they played recently because it was so recent. Yeah. I, like, I, I don't have a ton of comments on, on this game. I may have a play that I'll tweet out or something, but I don't really have too much of a read on uh, Giants and Vikings. Yeah, I mean, the, last bit, the last bit that I could add um, or that I'll add here is, is that the Giants' rush defense is really struggling. Um, They've struggled now for a while, and that's something that you could see. Maybe Dalvin Cook overs uh, could take precedence if he was able to explode like a deep one, but um, they, they don't run him with a ton of consistency. They're running about 15, 20 times a game, uh, but they like to use Madison as well. So um, it'd be interesting to see just how much of a um, just how much the Vikings want to use that against the Giants. I know they played pretty recently, but if they do run the ball a lot, that's a lot of clock that's going to be turned off. Uh, that means under potentially, so uh, just something to look at. Yeah, before you start talking about the Ravens-Bengals game, I will add, this is the NFL where it's really tough to win two times against the same team unless you're, like, so much better. Um, so that gives a lot of positive sense to, to betting the Giants because they played so recently. It was still close. They won by a last-minute field goal. Like, this is likely going to be close again with the Giants possibly coming out on top if you want to throw into their money line. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, that's a good way to wrap it up. But so we'll go into the next game. Um, uh, is a rematch of last week's game. Um, the Bengals, <laughs> the Bengals, and the Ravens. So the Ravens will travel to Cincinnati, um, and it's been an interesting story for the Ravens this year. Uh, they come in before I get into their numbers. Um, they are an eight-point underdog, and the total for this game is the lowest on the slate at forty and a half. That's probably a testament to their quarterback situation and how little they've been throwing the ball. Um, and the Ravens come in uh, when the public bets on them against the spread. They're five and six. Uh, with the money on them, they're five and five. Uh, but when the sharps are on them, they're only two and five against the spread. So, uh, not really good numbers there. Uh, very different story when it goes to the Bengals. The Bengals are seven and three against the spread with the public, seven and two with the money, and seven and one uh, with the sharp differential on their side. So. Uh, one game, one team very good against the spread. The other team um, very mediocre and considered bad uh, with the sharps on them. So interesting to see where you guys like this one. Obviously, they just played, but it was a it was a very weird game because the Ravens. Um, I don't think the Ravens had much to play for. The Bengals did for seeding, but I don't think the Ravens had anything to play for. Um, so should be a different story this week. But I can't imagine the the Ravens are going to be throwing the ball much. Yeah, this is another like obviously because. It was a nine and a half point spread last game. The Bengals covered that. It's kind of back and forth. They looked like they were covering it pretty well, and then the Ravens kind of came back. Eventually, they they managed. To, I think they won by eleven. I think it was twenty seven to sixteen. So not surprised to see this line still right around that because it was just last week, um, with the Ravens getting better by a point because they saw some from the Bengals last week. That's about what I see. What you just said, basically saying that the Bengals are good when the public and money are, are on them versus the Ravens being bad when the sharp differential is on them is exactly what we're seeing. We're seeing 75% of the bets on the public, or I'm sorry, 75% of the public bets on the Bengals, whereas the money is split 50-50 right now, but that indicates that the Ravens have a 25% differential. And even though we love seeing a 25% sharp differential, 
don't like that they're two and five ATS when the sharp differentials on them. That indicates that sharp betters are not reading the bank, the the Ravens as well as they are other teams, right? So I'll be really, really intrigued to see where this ends. But if it if it were to end exactly where it is right now, I would I would hammer the Bengals. Yeah, my initial reaction when I saw this line was like looking at the past results with the Bengals and like um I mean they did split the series one and one, but the Bengals were 2-0 versus the Ravens ATS, as you said. I was thinking about going with the Ravens plus eight for this reason, because I believe that the Ravens can come back from the loss last week and make the adjustments necessary to make it close enough for the eight-point spread to be relevant. But then I came up with a better idea just now. Tease it. <laughs> it's time, ladies and gentlemen, for the Sharp and the Public teaser, that is 3-0. 3-0. 3-0. 3-0. And, and it's only three. Three and oh. And we're going to start off with a spread of three because we're going to take the Giants from plus three to plus nine, as we talked about last game. Well, I don't need to dive into that too much. I think that we're all talking about the Giants a fair bit. My main thing there, too, is the margin of victory for them was minus 0.4 this season, which is one of the closest ones you'll be able to find. If you can get them at a nine-point buffer against the serial choker Vikings, it's going to be a close game, ladies and gentlemen. So take the nine to the bank. And we're going to bring the Bengals down to minus two. I know I said I was going to go with the Ravens all along here, but when you can get the home favorite at a minus eight spot and bring them down to very close to a pick 'em at minus two, with the total the lowest of the week at 40 and a half, you have to go with that because that is a classic Wong teaser spot there. The Giants won. Sure, it is technically a long teaser because it fits in that uh, under 49, but as I've said time and time again, I love to do it when it's 42 and below for better odds. So that will be my play. One and a half units as always. We're not going to go with two like we did last week, and that was uh, special for week 18, but I think one and a half unit, six-point teaser of Giants and, and Bengals here is a play that you, cannot, that you cannot go wrong with. I think this matchup just favors Cincinnati so much, uh, especially without Lamar Jackson, because that pass, uh, that passing game for Baltimore over the past few weeks has quite literally been non-existent. And so Cincinnati's just able to pin their years back, or put put eight in the box, um, and on deliberate passing plays, just able to rush four or five, get to them quick, and, and force three and outs. Um, and on the other side of the ball, like Cincinnati's weakness is their offensive line. It, it was that way last year. They tried to to cover it up this year with a, with a couple band aids. Uh, bring in some free agents. Uh, I think a couple guys got injured. And so their run block is horrible. Uh, their pass block is, is only average. Uh, but good for them. That's where Baltimore's defense is at its weakest. Their pass rush is, is the weak point of their defense. So it should work out well for Cincinnati to put up some points and to be able to cover cover the spread. I'll take Cincinnati straight up at minus eight. I, I think that, I think they they have their way here with Baltimore. Baltimore's defense will cause some problems, but I just don't expect them to score enough. I could see something like a 24-10 here for Cincinnati. I'll just say this. Joe Burrow is 19-4 ATS in his last 23 starts. (laughs) (laughs) That's insane. That's broken. broken. Yeah, that's broken. Uh, When they were playing the highlights, like they had a a really cool – college football national championship tribute before the game on Monday. And uh, I mean, one of those folks was just briefly <laughs> Joe Burrow smoking the cigar. And I was like, that dude is the coolest motherfucker to ever live. Like, there's just no doubt about it. He's up there. And, he, and he's so young and he's up there. 
Yeah, I love Joe Burrow. I, I, I don't mind the teaser. Uh, I think nine's a lot, but I obviously did, they just did that. They just covered against them. So, I mean, am I, am I backing myself into a corner saying that teams typically, like the Giants, right, coming off a loss against a team, is it going to be easier to cover because they just lost? And then flipping that to the Ravens, the Ravens just lost. So is it going to be easier for them to cover? Probably. Um, that's why I prefer the teaser more. I don't see the Bengals losing this game by any means. One other thing I'll say before we move on to the final game is the totals being at 40 and a half. Obviously, this is impacted by the fact that Lamar is not there. But the average total in a Bengals game is 46 and a half, with the average Vegas total being 45.1. And the total sitting at 40 and a half. That's a five point difference. There's a reason Vegas is putting the total lower. And even though, like, their average, it's not so much that you want to see their average total be higher than the total that it's currently at. That's too simple. It's more of like the average total being so low is a reason for it being so low, and Vegas knows that. So I like to bet with the, like when it when a team's average is higher than the current total, I bet lower if that makes sense. I was also going to say the Ravens' average game total is also thirty nine, so it's right around that forty. It's bring, kind of bringing it down to that. The difference from the mean is the important thing here. I think if you want to get really juicy in this game, um, you can take both teams to score 10 points and say no at plus 375 and just hope that the Ravens offense really just can't get off the ground. Their team <laughs> total is sitting at, I think, what is it? Their team total is sitting at 18.5, but it's juiced to hell to the under at minus 200. I mean, I might take that at 17. I might take that at 16.5. I, I could see, obviously, their offense when it gets running. I mean, their their drives are going to be long when they do have any scoring drives. And I think the Bengals could get out front and then just start start getting in rhythm and, and sort of just churn that clock. So, yeah. I like, um, I think I might take a flyer on that, both teams to not score 10 points um, and hope that the Bengals win something like, I don't know, 24 to 7, 31 to 7, something like that. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't blame you. I think seeing that that it's at that their team total is eighteen and a half and it's juiced to the under at minus two hundred, it's safe to say that that'll probably be seventeen and a half or something even lower than that by the time the podcast comes out. And just speaking to line movement here, real quick, the Bengals, if you did tease them uh, in some spots, it would tease them down to minus two and a half. If we do have a situation like last week where they move into a spot where it is not favorable for the teaser, I will respond to DJ's tweet. tweet at DJHH Sports, my ad is at AndyHH Sports. And since we're rambling him off, Rick's is at RickHH Sports. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll respond to his tweet with the podcast with the edited teaser as we did as we did for last week's because it was not bettable for, for some of you guys due to the line movement. And I apologize for that, but that is just part of the game we're recording and giving out plays from time to time. Yeah, that, that's fair. I know that people respect that. And um, it's, no, it's no fair to give an outdated line, especially when... Um, when DJ has spent a lot of time editing the podcast and stuff. So I know that people predict that. All I was going to say was that the team total, I, I don't really get why they're juicing it to minus 200 at the under. Um, obviously, 17 and a half is, this, is almost as important as 18 and a half. So I figure that line, if it's going to end up being like a minus 110 each way, is probably going to be at 16 and a half. And they're just really reluctant to get it anywhere under 17. So if it gets to 17 flat, I would take that under. But 16 and a half, I think I'd still take the under and hope I get a little bit of plus money there. Awesome play is coming to you on Sharp in the Public, yeah. as usual. So uh, let's move on to the final game. Uh, Andy, if you want to rattle that off for us. 
Yeah, let's go. So we've got the Buccaneers hosting the Cowgirls uh, with the Cowgirls at minus two and a half with a total of 45 and a half. Um, Dallas, when they have the public on them, is six and three ATS, which is surprising because you would think that uh, the public's going to be betting the Cowboys a lot just because of the nature of it being the Dallas Cowboys. And they're six and three ATS when the public takes them. It's interesting. But what's even more interesting is that when the money's on them, they're six and one ATS. And when sharps are on them, they're five and one ATS. I'll actually touch on their total. I'll go ahead and touch on their totals real quick, too. The average Vegas total that the Cowboys saw this season was 44 and a half. Um, but when you look at what the total of their games ended up at after 17 games played, it averaged out at 48.6, which is four points higher. So that is something that's noteworthy, too. There's a lot of noteworthy trends with them. And then you take it and you look at the Bucks and you flip it on its head because the Bucks are the polar opposite. When the public were on the Bucks this season, which happened 10 times compared to the Cowboys' nine, they went a whopping 2-8 and eight ATS. When the money was on them, they were 2-5 and five ATS, and Sharps on them, 3-3 three and three ATS. Again, they have a complete reverse here in their totals, just like how the ATS trends were kind of the opposite from the Cowboys. So their average total, pretty close to the Cowboys, but still noteworthy, uh, a point below them at 43.6 is where the lines ended up at this year on average. But the average game total that they saw was 39. And I think that 39 number is not a surprise to anybody. The Bucks games this year, they all sucked. Even the ones that came back and rallied in, they were awful to watch. Um, so it's no surprise there that that total is so low. I, th- I think what's interesting right out of the gate is just how bad they are ATS in most scenarios, as well as how low their totals go. And yet we're staring at 45 and a half right in the face with only a plus two and a half spread. You may see on Twitter, oh, Brady, since 2019, 4-0 as a dog in the playoffs, straight up and against the spread. That is bait, ladies and gentlemen. I won't be officially riding with the Cowboys yet, uh, but it is likely that I'd go that way. You can find out on Twitter. Um, I may even have an article, <laughs> TBD. Um, what do you, what yeah. do you guys think? To reiterate what you said, the public being two and eight on the on the Bucks is the worst public performance this year. That is interesting because, lo and behold, we have fifty nine percent of the public on the Bucks. I believe it'll stay that way because people are going to be like, like you said, Tom Brady, playoff magician. The Bucks are at home. How could they lose this game? The Cowboys are better. The Cowboys haven't looked great in the last couple of games, but they are better. They are a better team than when they played first game of the year. And the Cowboys also have information to go off of, right? They, they lost by 16 points week one. The teams are completely different now, but they also played each other. Cowboys are going to learn from that. I, I see the Cowboys wanting to come into this game to beat the Bucks and go into to Philly to beat, the, you know, to beat their rivals in Philly. They are, they, they're coming in with a defensive line that wants to you know, do bad things to Tom Brady. And to, uh, that's obviously the emotional side of it, but... Public and money and sharp are all on the pucks, which is not a good sign. You know, I feel like whichever way I end up on this game, I'm going to lose. <laughs> In the most frustrating way possible. Like, if you back the, if you back the Bucks and you lose, you're like, you know, I, I, Tom Brady's washed. I knew this. And if you back the Cowboys and you lose, you're like, of course the fucking Cowboys let me down. Like, there's, <laughs> no, there's no winning on this one. 
I mean, with that said, too, I mean, you you mentioned it briefly about how the Cowboys have been worse. For the past seven weeks, since week 12, uh, every performance has graded to be worse than the last one. <laughs> so they, they have just the perfect trajectory to, to shit the bed in the playoffs. They're also far better at home. They're 8-1 and one at home. They're 4-4 four and four on the road. And they're playing on the road here. And for the Buccaneers, Tom has been the problem. Like I mean, other they've had plenty of problems, but Tom has clearly regressed this year. Um, he really can't move around in the pocket to evade anything, and it's it's not like he's been fantastic and hitting his mark on a lot of passes. Their D's up and down. Uh, their rush defense is the weak point of that defense. So it'll be interesting to see if Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott uh, can really get get that defense moving. But I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, I think maybe the under in this guy. I know we always say under. Like I think the under, but like. <laughs> I mean, the Bucks just don't score. Like, the Bucks don't score. And the Cowboys do, but, I mean, shit, man. I mean, there was a reason when this game first happened, there was only 22 points. So, that's something to keep in mind. A lot of the public, oh, I'm sorry, not, the public's on the under while the money's on the over, which is not something we typically see. That'll be interesting to watch come game time. Obviously, the line's at 45.5, which is high for a Bucks game and low for a Cowboys game. So, like, how do you take information there not you don't really know one thing i wanted to say is an interesting trend is teams coming into this on a one game losing streak so like the cowboys where they like they won week 17 lost week 18 coming into the wild card game if you fade them if you were to fade the cowboys here they are 14 and 3 in their last seven you'd be 14 and 3 in your last 17 bets which is significant no, it's not probably it's over a long time because how often do you get a team coming in on a one game losing streak, but that's an interesting trend. Fourteen and three is, is nothing to, to, to scoff at. It's an insane stat. I didn't expect it to be that dramatic. Or like they go ahead and just lose again. I'm not touching Buck's money line. If anything here I will roll with the Cowboys, but this is gonna be one that we wait yeah. till Monday to look at. You can't really uh you can't feel certain about this game until the final hour, in my opinion. And even then, as Rick said, you probably still aren't going to feel certain about this game because I know people, some people were upset that this one got put on the mon- on Monday because it is arguably probably the best game out of the playoff slate for, um, for the wild card. But like at the same time, it, it's going to be really difficult to... To figure this one yeah, out. There's a lot of injury questions uh, on both sides to key players too, like uh, Leighton Vanderesh. Rick Cowboys is questionable. Mike Evans for the Buccaneers, as well as a handful of defensive players. So, waiting to see what that injury news looks like will be important. Yeah, uh, I think that's a good way to kind of end us from blabbering on about this game too much. It really will take and like be important to see what happens come Monday, kind of see how things fare, you know, in Saturday and Sunday, and we can t- take that information into Monday before we make our final pick, because at the end of the day, you want to take as much information as you can before you place your bet, unless you're getting a really positive EV, like line, whatever. If you're getting in a, like on a minus two before the game moves to minus nine and a half or something stupid. It'll be really, really fun to watch this, this playoff season. Um, super excited to see what happens. I'll have to ride with underdogs, but... No, not too much. No more official plays for me, man. Uh, you guys got me to, to post them that one week, and it did not go well. So I'll, <laughs> I'll leave my one team total over for the Seahawks on this pod, and I'll, I'll leave it at that. But pod plays um, are typically pretty good, so I like. No, that. no, yeah, you have you have the Bills team total over as well. 
<laughs> I didn't say officially, but I'm I'm sure I'm down to make it official. But yeah, you guys can follow me at Rick HH Sports. I'll, I'll post other plays. We got UFC and NBA this weekend as well, so it'll be a full slate. It's very true. We had we do have UFC coming out sometime tomorrow, I think, or tonight. Before you guys hear this podcast. <laughs> yeah, definitely before you guys hear this podcast. If not, uh, please check in because something went horribly wrong. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, so look out for that because if you want to build your bankroll before Sunday's games and after Saturday's games, Rick's articles are the way to do that. And Andy, uh, yeah, we're, 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 we're tag teaming that come this spring. So uh, I'm excited. Uh, it gives us a little bit um, extra effort on each fight to give you guys some more deeper analysis on it. So. Uh, should be fun. We got a good card. Sean Strickland came in with uh, Nasruddin Imovov for the main event, so should be should be a good main event. We got some good prospects up and down the card, so should be fun. I uh, my final thoughts here are just everyone make sure that you are taking every single thing into account before these games. Don't be afraid to wait until five minutes before. I know it is stressful where you're like your fingers are shaking as you're placing the bet because it's like you're you want to make sure that you get it in on time before the game starts, but even waiting up until the final the final minute is uh is going to be well worth it for you because then you can really track those trends really making sure that you're hitting on those and uh following where the money is at and where the sharps are at because it is we i mean this is showtime baby (laughs) this is where we go we've been we've been working our way to get to this point we've given you all these trends and now we go it's playoff time I'm, i'm pumped best of luck everybody super excited for it we will see you guys next week as always be sure to check out my articles for usual at happyhoursports.net. Thank you all so much for the support that we've gotten up to this point. It's been amazing uh, to, to hear you guys' feedback and to, to stick with us throughout the year. We're only going to get better. The content's only going to get better. We're only going to get better at the bets and trends and everything. So stick with us. It's going to be a great end of the year, great playoff season. So shout out to you guys. Let's go win some money. The boy has been better with beer. That was kind of jab though. That, that don't work. It doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs>